Welcome back to the program, listeners. We'll be continuing from where we stopped in the last episode on the vice presidential debate between the five political candidates that have been shortlisted by Nigeria Election Debate Group and Broadcasting Organization of Nigeria with other agencies. And in the first episode, we talked about the selection process, the introduction of the candidates, and the opening statement. And Yomi and I, we've created a scorecard where we record that we've been scoring these candidates as they, uh, based on what they've said and their profile. So we've scored the, we've scored them on introduction, and we've scored them on their opening statement. At the moment, after the introduction and opening statement. Although there was a lot of waffling between us, going back and forth. Um, <laughs> we've got Peter Obi. Uh, yeah, Peter Obi ha- is leading with... Uh, actually, Peter Obi and Professor Yemi Oshimbayo are tied at 8.5 on their introduction and opening statements. So we've got um, Huma Getso on two points. We've got um, Ganyu Galadima on two points, and we've got Khadija Abdullah Kai on four points. So I've got my co-presenter back with me, Yomi. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much, my brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, now we'll continue with the issues that were discussed in the debate. We'll take that as much as we can. So let's start with the issue of vice president right i have a bit of an issue with um uh, how the questions were structured because um they were um there's no uniform question for everyone everyone was asked kind of specific questions i thought that wasn't right yeah so i i get that too that you but they, they try to make it a bit subjective and to to get the right quality from the people based on the information they have from them. But sometimes that doesn't really always do justice. Exactly. You get what I mean. Exactly. So, um, because everybody there is trying to be VP. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's a sense in which you can't be subjective about that. Yeah. You have to give everyone the opportunity to say what they want to do, especially as in, in relation to each question. As opposed to, you know, because the question they asked about the VP, the, the incumbent VP, they asked him about how, you know, he's been able to do it, what has it done, and, you know, mm-hmm. I thought that they could have adapted that same question to, if you are VP, what would you do differently, and all these things, as opposed to just yeah. asking them questions that are bearing on. Exactly, or if you are the president, what would you be doing? What exactly. would you be doing differently? Exactly. Or, so, yeah, I thought so that that didn't also give them opportunity it also robs of it robs us of the opportunity to assess them on a level playing field yeah, on a level playing field or, or to assess them objectively yeah yes. I get that. yeah while we're on that let's start with uh, professor yemi oshibaji then yes so he was asked a question how tasking the role of a vp is i think that's a cheap question actually yes so what would you what would you uh, what do you think of his response or how he's handled himself or how he delivered in um, I, I think he answered that question quite um, profoundly. You know, he, he talked about how that job, you know, has taught him patience, the importance of the job in the sense that he has had to represent standing for the president on a few occasions where he's had to leave. 
And he also talked about mm-hmm. it clearly identified the constitutional roles that a, 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 a VP has to play in terms of being the chairman of the steering of the economy from summit group, and as well as the um, I think something for national procurement or something. Yes, he, he, yeah. he talked about it, and you know, and he also joked about the fact that you know his hair was not as grey as this when you know he nearly became the VP. But, but, but I, I think she stole that. She stole that from Obama, though. Is that? She stole that from Obama. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought, when I looked, when I watched it, I thought that that was a brilliant response. Um, yeah. He, he answered it correctly. He also combined humor, which is what public speaking is all about, really. You know, being yeah. able to talk about the issues and at, at the same time not sounding too serious so that at least people yeah. can, you know, just unwind, relax, and then pick the things that they want to pick from. But I thought that that was a brilliant response from the professor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So based on that, what what was your scoring of the professor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give him four. I'll give him four over five for that response. Yeah. Then I'm not far off him. I gave him four over five. Right. Okay. Um, I see. He sees himself as a chief advisor, and yes. he understands the fact that his roles are specified in the constitution, even if he didn't know that before now. Yes. Which obviously I found. I would have found strange as a lawyer yeah. if he didn't know that before now. By virtue of the fact that he's been there for more than three and a half years, he's been, he, he, he's, he would have learned about the role, yeah. he would have understood the role, and he's had to discharge the role, given the fact that our president uh, at sporadic times often disappear and, and leave us, and leave uh, the vice president at the end of our peers for a month, two months, or three months at times. So, he, he, I believe that his answer fully justify his understanding of the role. Yes. So, which is fine. So, I gave, I gave him four over five on that as well. So, staying close to home. Um, yeah, let me record. Let me write that down. Stay, staying close to home. Um, Peter Obi. Yes. He was asked the question, handling a fallout with the president. Yes. So, which I think it's, I think that's a picky question. Yeah. Asking him about the fallout of the president. If, if you want me to, if if I can start on this one. Yes. I, he, he said that that definitely won't happen. Obviously, he just gave you um, a get out of my face answer. Yes. Because what do you want him to say? Well, I'll stand up to the president. No, he wouldn't say that. So he said that that won't happen. So we all know that in, in real life, that may happen. If you are an opinionated uh, vice president and you have a president who is doing things that you don't agree with, you will yeah. have to disagree with him sometimes. Yes. So, and I think the question was asked because the people people know that he's, he's, he's a bit stubborn. Yes. And he's had to step on uh, the so-called godfather in quotes yeah. toes while he was the uh, uh, governor of Anambra State. Yes. And so he, he also talked about the fact that he will be loyal to the president. And he managed to um, solve the question back to staying on the economic problem of Nigeria <laughs> about the fact that he's the vice, as the vice president, is in charge of debt management. And we have, 50, he still managed to talk about uh, facts there that we have 50% of revenue uh, to debt service. So, which I think that's a bit over, overkill because that's not what the question is asking. Yeah. The question wasn't asking, but I think it was hoping to be asked the same question uh, Professor Oshimbo was asked. So, he kind of answered 
the way would have answered the question if um it was asked the same question and he tried to answer the, the question that it was asked as well. So he compared us with um um he did a quick uh comparative analysis with Turkey, Indonesia, and South Africa with our debt management, uh debt uh, 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 uh revenue to debt service. So yeah, based on that, I think it's a bit of an overkill. So uh, yeah, I'll just with information overload, I gave him four over four over five. For, for, for his response to that question, I gave him three. Okay. In the sense that, I I, I mean I, I I think that his response to that question was too simplistic. Instead of being, well, the question itself is simplistic. Said, the question itself is simplistic. Yeah, but you see, the, the truth of the matter is, he, he could have answered that question without being dismissive. You can't stand on the national podium and say that there would not be a disagreement between you and the president. We know for a fact that that is usually not the case. And he, yeah. you know, his attempt to answer that question by saying that if you're doing anything right, if you're doing everything right, you can't fall out with the, with the president. He also said that throughout his tenure in government, he never had to fall out with anyone. That is not true. As a matter of fact, the very nature of politics itself is such that constantly you have to, you know, negotiate. And so that's no and that's why particularly I was impressed by you know with how Professor Shibaji was able to answer that question when he was talking about how that job itself has had to teach him patience. That there have been times when there will be issues that both of them would disagree on. But you, we can't have this mindset that once you're president, once you're vice president, you have to agree to everything that your boss says. That's why your VP, mm. you know, that leaves room for, you know, diplomacy. How you guys are able to navigate that disagreement, ultimately, that in a way that ensures that the nation does not suffer. In fact, yeah. it is on record that the president, the person whom um, um, this guy wants to deputize today, had a very, very national fallout with his own president, Atik Abubakar and Abbasanjo. Yeah, you understand. So. Ability, besides, yeah. Again, and I want to quickly tie this in with the political edge that I think that um, uh, Anna Peter Obi doesn't have, right? You see, you can't take away that political acumen in terms of your ability to manage your way through certain disputes. We know that what happens in Nigeria usually is a case of people trying to play up certain things. You can imagine a situation whereby some cabal would go to the president and tell the president that your VP is trying to do certain things. And then the president calls you and asks you what is going on, and you just dismiss that, my boss, nothing is going on. You understand? You must be able to sit your boss down, explain certain things, and find a way to negotiate and agree, have a common ground, as opposed to dismissing that question. But I also thought it was very brilliant how he managed to wriggle out and then still trace that question back to what his administration is doing wrong and how he would do things differently if voted in as briefly. So to that extent, I gave him three or five. Um, I think that's a bit convincing. Is I'm going to have to downgrade my score into three over five. I can't hear you. Sorry. Go on. I'm, go I'm going to have to downgrade my score into three over right. five. So it's fine. Yeah. I agree with you on that one. I, I was just I was just a bit carried away by the fact that he managed to actually swerve it to um, the economy problem of yeah. Nigeria. Yeah. It was a bit dismissive answering the question itself. So yeah, it's fine. Three over five. Now, let's talk about Uma Getso. Okay, <laughs> the thing about this Uma Getso is, at some point, it might look like 
I am not, um, you know, I want to completely write out. And that is not the case. The case is we're staying on the issues, right? And we're looking at, we're analyzing how they have been able to answer certain questions and all that. I can't even remember how particularly our own question was couched. Okay, I think I remember. So, so I think, to put it in perspective, let me ask you, I have it written down. It says, the President Wood does not rel relinquish power. How do you do Exactly. And she went off point completely. She started talking about how, you know, um, things in Mongaloo has come out to openly pledge 50% for all women in all positions. How in their, in their mm -hmm. party, you know, if you are not, if a woman is not deputizing, a woman is leading. And I mean, I, 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 I kind of cringed a bit when, when I listened to her part because I thought that she wasn't answering the question at all. And you're saying that no. Exactly, that's what I put. I said, I just put, the only note I made was she did not. Exactly, exactly. So she went completely off, you know, the point. And if I can give a minus two and probably take away from some of the points I've given her in the past, I would do that. No, you because... can't take away. You can't take away. She, she's only got two so far. She can't take it. Just leave it at zero. Apart from you, I mean, yes, I know sometimes in process of analyzing something, you know, we go point and all that. But that is a national debate. Yeah. Like you rightly pointed out a couple yeah. of minutes ago, she should have come to that place prepared, having rehearsed a yes. campaign. And you're there to sell exactly. yourself. You know, you're probably having the opportunity you're not going to have in ca exactly. on campaign because you are on the podium with people that have deeper pockets than you to campaign more than you, especially. Exactly. If I'm on that, uh, if I'm on that podium, I'd be speaking with everything. Exactly, I've exactly, and it shows it shows a disturbing lack of understanding on our part. Because how can someone ask you, you know, if you have a boss who does not feel like he can increase, really and then you completely start talking about fifty percent women? That question had nothing to do about about it had nothing to do with equal representation of women. Yeah, she came across as someone I would just say, Kingsley, do yes. everything. And just then I would, Let me I just would, be shaking you know, you know, Without wanting to demean her personality, but you get, what, you get the point. Yeah. yeah. She didn't answer the question, basically. Minus two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's zero. Yeah. I'm not going to put a negative right. there. The fact that she stood up, she could have decided not to show the fact that she came. So, yeah, right. zero. So, yeah. Khadija Abdullahi Kai. Well, I, I mean, I, I thought on this question that she probably tried. Um, you know, she talked about um, the fact that the, you know... The, uh, <laughs> okay, well, let me talk about the positives first and then I'll go to the negative. She talked about constitutional amendment. Yeah. She talked about restructuring. Mm -hmm. and, but I thought it was a big... Economic diversification. Go on, so, go on. Yeah, yeah, let me... I'll yeah. let you finish. Yeah, so she, she talked about restructuring. She talked about constitutional amendment. Talked about you know, certain policies, how they will prioritize the economy as opposed to the current arrangement where politics is prioritized over the economy. But I, I thought that the, the point she was trying to make about you know making sure that all the 70, 70, over 77 and 74 local governments would be urbanized and how 20% will be given to the state and 20% will be given to the local government, and then she, she could not convince me about what would happen to the 40% because the current argument is that the center takes too much. So, in fact, currently, the center takes about 51%, and then the state and the local government currently share about 49%. So, in that analysis or in that, um, um, uh, you know, explanation that she was trying to make, 
she's giving more to an already overbloated federal government. And so for a party coming, promising change and promising a new way of doing things, I don't understand how taking much more than the current arrangement would help to solve the problems that the country has. So to that extent, I, again, she demonstrated some something of a disturbing understanding of the issue, but she was able to, you know, still bring her way back to making certain valid points about constitutional amendment, structuring. It's really fiscal fiscal restructuring, but she didn't understand or she did not brilliantly, you know, say how those things would be achieved. I'll give her two. Oh, I, I give her three, right? I think I'll give her two. Yeah. Right. Um. I I I scored that right. too. Actually, actually, I like I said. I said it's she's quite idealistic as right. a nation builder. She talked about economic diversification and all the things you've talked about. She talks about shared values with their political right. party and all that. So, but at the end of the day, um, I don't think that sells enough as. Uh, based on what the question is, the question was our preparation to be the first female, vi female vice president. Right. Right. So she talks about this whole very laudable idea for, and talking about the party, how has that prepared you to be the first female vice president? If they're trying to get into your mindset before the reality actually exactly. dawns on you. That you are the you are the first female vice president in Nigeria, and considering all the issues surrounding Nigeria, considering the fact that there's still a lot of um, sexual harassment going on, um, gender inequality, uh, inequal pay, um, and all things like that, and the fact that uh, women still get um, looked down upon in workplace, let alone being the yeah. vice president. Imagine I've been on the podium one day and someone say, that lady, get down, go back to your husband's house. You know, things like yes. that might happen as the first female vice president just because people don't like you or they don't like a policy that your government is doing at a particular point in time. Absolutely. So the question was our preparation for the first female vice president. But she didn't really deal with the question or yes. understand the question. So, yeah, she, she speaks um, very soothing. She gave a very soothing answer, but I don't think she yeah. answered the question. So that's why I gave her two or five, too. So, um, uh, Abdul Ghani Galadima, VP as a spare tire. Funny enough, I gave her yeah, two or yeah. five. So, um, yeah, I, well, I'm going to have to back down. Yeah, I said he still gave basic answers because mine came to the program like, okay, well, let's just go there. What, how, how bad can he be? So, <laughs> so, but he, he kind of kept um, talking about the fact that Vice President Oshibaju is acting on behalf of President Buhari. Uh, and the decisions have not been controverted. I, I don't think that's your concern. Eh? So, the, uh, the, the decision made by Yemi Oshibagyo while Buhari was away have no, were not like controverted or uh, dismissed when uh, President Buhari came, uh, came around. That that would be the case when he's the vice president as well. So, I just think, well, this man, you're not really like, I'm not seeing any political or, or 
answer from this uh, man in that uh, while answering that question that actually makes him talk like a uh, 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 vice presidential candidate, yeah. if I'm honest. So, yeah, I think my two over five is too generous because I don't think I should put him on the same level with uh, Khadija exactly. and Kai. But exactly. I gave him two over I five. I think you gave him minus two. Because I think... know, <laughs> seriously. Seriously, though. And I'm going to stick to this because I thought he spoke for another candidate as opposed to speaking for himself. Because if... If you're saying that, true, if your basis, if, if your answer to that question of a VP being a spectator is that, you know, you're, you're using a candidate like yourself, who is just candidate. standing a few inches away from you as the yardstick <laughs> for measuring your own performance when you become VP, then there's no, there's absolutely no need for you. Exactly. So, to be there. so I, I was too upset to score him, but I gave him minus. Because I thought that was, that was a very, very, okay. very, very wrong approach. You could have, it would have been better it if you went up points, as opposed to selling another yeah. candidate over himself. Yes. 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 So, I didn't want us to give minors, but you yes, stick it to your minors. Yes, too. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll right. give him zero. <laughs> let's let's I know I know I know how you feel but yeah, yeah I'll give him zero <laughs> right okay the next issue right. they talked about I'm gonna pick the next one I'm gonna yeah. let you take over from there uh the next issue they talked about was yeah. uh, poverty I think the right. next segment was poverty so I'll start with my get to this time so I know well she's probably not really uh, the very your score is not yes. favorable to her at the moment, but let's hope this changes. Right, Uma Getso, they talk about Nigeria being the policy, po- poverty capital of the world. Yes. That was the question. What she will do or how she will address that? Right. So, what what do you think uh, with her answer about Nigeria being no, the poverty capital like of the world? First on that. Because, you know, yeah, yeah, it doesn't look yeah, like okay. negative. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, on this one, I actually gave, right. I gave her one over five. Um, I think she said that economy is the backbone of any country. This is not, <laughs> this is not um, social studies. Eh? This is not social studies or government. Eh? Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not, um, you're not, you're not asking a question for GCE. Yeah. That you pull, uh, you pull a catchy yeah. phrase for your marker to actually yeah. like, like uh, no, you you try you get what I'm saying. So I think saying that is too yeah. cheesy uh, to say economy is the backbone of any country. So and she said that uh, uh, the, the the only point I see her talking about is constitutional restructuring, yeah. we, uh, that, uh, which which will. May give you resources back to the geopolitical zones. So, and in, increasing um, the uh, derivatives for the geopolitical zones. Uh, yeah, there, there's a bit of an answer there. But how will that solve the issue of Nigeria being the political capital of the world? Yeah. I don't see it. So you can give if you say, well, the resources you've got is the resources you've got. It's a, you say you have five hundred naira here. 
is with your is with your head of family. You're now saying instead of the head of family holding the five take holding the five hundred naira and spending it as you people want, eh? That it should give hundred naira to mommy, give hundred naira to the uh, to the first child, second child. You understand? At the end of the day, it's still five hundred naira. Whether it's in four hands or it's in five hands or it's in one hand, That's true. it's still five hundred naira. So we should be talking about how to change that, how to make Nigeria, how, how to enrich uh, the people, how to create more jobs, how to make Nigeria more educated, how to introduce, uh, talk about for uh, foreign direct investment. Uh, th these are the kind of answers I'm expecting. Constitutional is the reason why it's called restructuring. And it's nothing new. You're just rearranging. So it's more about efficiency more yeah. than uh, yeah. wealth creation, if you if you ask me. So based on that, I only gave her one over five because I don't think she's she's not saying anything that would, that would make Nigeria any less poverty capital. Yeah, world. I agree with you. I give her zero on that one because um, she, no, she, <laughs> I mean, see the point, the important point you made earlier about the fact that. We have to hold everybody to the same standard, right? Because yes, yes, she's not. We can't say because of Shibajo or because Peter will be, you know, they've had the experience and all of that. If you're campaigning, if you're coming on board as the PB candidate of the Bojinic Party, you are held to the same standard as everybody else. And so, if somebody asks you the question about what do you do to the question about Nigeria being the poorest capital of the world, and the response you can give is, you know. The pollution of powers, or you know, making sure that the regional government, regional structures are you know empowered and all of that. That has not answered that question. I mean, with respect for that question, no. you talk about certain facts and figures about how to lift people out of poverty. We, yes, China lifted 800 million people out of poverty over the course of 10 years. How was that done? What did they do? You know, you have people talking about how. China devotes about 45% of its GDP to financing small and medium-scale enterprises. You have countries like India. Make, I think India lifted about 200 million out of poverty. So these are the things I would expect you to do. If you are talking about... Yeah, yeah to be talking about, to, have, to even have an idea about... You should have research assistants exactly. that, that do research for you. We don't expect you to know everything. The good thing about Nigeria's situation is that the, the current situation we're in, other countries have been exactly at this point and they have managed to get themselves out. If you can't even come up with ingenious yeah. ideas or fresh ideas, for kind of loud research how this thing was done in other parts of the world, and tell us how you get it done. Exactly. 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 Don't give us a government. You know, like she said Nigeria is the economy is the backbone. Everybody knows that. So if everybody knows that, why are you saying it? Why are you saying it? Why are you using exactly. your own one minute or two minutes? So, to talk I mean, about you know, it, was, it took a lot of grace to not delve into the minor as well. But, <laughs> but I give us a number. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that one. Uh, yeah. So, you no, don't have I mean, to give out one. You're magnanimous. <laughs> but but I, I wouldn't destroy anything <laughs> for that point. Yeah, yeah okay. I'll, I'll, I'll change right. it to zero. I'll leave it at zero. Yeah. Okay, next person is uh, yeah. Peter Obi. Yeah, let, let me start with this one again. Yeah, the question was investment in Nigeria in 2018, it's 60 billion. 
it's been 60.8 billion and that's 16% of our GDP and 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 there was talk about the fact that um what um will he do to improve uh I think the question was to improve uh the investments in our GDP and I think the question kind of follows what um he has said yes. in his opening statement so he kind of played uh, they kind of played in yeah. his hands if you ask me so the man just went on he talked about the shallowness of Nigerian as, economy um, of South so, Africa. Uh, yeah he did a comparative um, between yeah. the Nigeria uh, yeah. and the South African capital market the fact that people uh, investors are actually divesting from Nigeria uh, on a large scale, it it, it also it brought about the issue, the the actually the punchline in the whole debate, where he said the government, which I think is is it, quite a good uh, punchline in the debate, that the government is doing right. what is not meant to do. Right. So that's that's arguable. I know that, but what? But I think uh, what he was trying to say um, was. The fact that the government is meant in every thriving capital uh, uh, government, uh, the government is meant to, a capitalistic okay. economy, I should say, the government is meant to be there to regulate and provide a thriving and enabling environment for businesses and investors and not get down into the arena of right. trying to do itself you're meant to be uh, an umpire and eh? i just let let businesses uh grow and and make profit create wealth which in turn will improve the country as a whole so uh, but he kind of went into the uh, the um mud slinging that the government is fighting a corruption which is not a which is not an economic policy and he said that you can't chase, shut your shop and chase criminals, you, which basically means the government is focusing too much on corruption, uh, war, rather than actually spending time to grow the economy. And I quite see sense in that, if I'm honest. And I've said it in time past in, in some of our discussions that, yeah, the last government actually set a new law in Nigeria, as far as corruption is concerned, it was too brazen, it was too open, it was too raw, it was the order of the day. But that said, that should not still be the main thing or, or, or that we focused on three years into a new administration. Every government has a mandate for four years. Whether you seek a second time or not, your mandate is four years. You can't tell me that you spend your first four years to fight corruption and the next four years use it to do something. No. While you're fighting corruption, you need to, at the same time and in the same breath, focus on stimulating the economy and creating wealth for the people. So based on the fact that it, it kind of speaks my mind there, it re-echoes what I've said in the past, although it's to... Um, is to back his own tree, so I get right. a four over okay. five. Then, so just just a quick one. Uh, I think that you know my my the issue the conflict that I've had 
over these debates in terms, especially as as as, as it relates to the performance of PKB versus Yemen um, Shibajo, is to try and maintain a very an intellectual aloofness that allows me to look at the very context of the things that are saying, and then having to decide what it does to the Nigerian state in the long run. Right. So at the end of the day, what we're looking at, what we're looking for as a people are solutions that are sustainable, solutions that will ultimately drive our country towards the yes. path of progress. And so, and then I refuse to be bamboozled by the performance, the brilliant performance of both of them, and then we'll look at the issues. And the reason why I'm saying that is this. You know, in this, when you recall that when Peter Obi started, he started talking about how they will create jobs, you know, create, uh, he said about a million jobs mm. per year or something, something in that light. And then just mm. a couple of minutes down the line, he's saying that government has no business, you know, doing certain things, that our government is busy doing what it's not supposed to do. See, the truth of the matter is, the thing about governance, yeah. we, you and I can disagree about how certain things should be done, but ultimately, we know that the ideal thing to aspire to as a government is to get comfortably to that point where you maintain that aloofness that allows you to supervise. But you see, you cannot appropriate and reprobate at the same time. Peter Obi cannot say that they will create jobs and at the same time say that government is doing what it should not do. The Nigerian environment is peculiar. Peculiar in the sense that we have to tailor our own, you know, you will recall that throughout that, you know, this thing, he kept talking about facts and figures, talking about what China has done, how China has been able to do it. Mm. But the truth of the matter is, in these countries I talked about, even though it did not mention specifically in great detail how these countries have done, China as a country is actively involved in the economy of, of that nation. You understand? So China actively, you know, pursues certain policies that allows them to say, you know, we're going to lift total number of people out of poverty by encouraging this, by encouraging that, by creating industries. Most of these companies that you and I know, the you know Chinese companies, the huge giants, are companies actually actively being promoted by the Chinese government. Exactly, you, you get the point. So yeah, you can't like say China, that yeah. in one breath, you know, you want to create jobs, and in the other breath, you're saying that it's not the government, it's not the business of government to be creating jobs. So to that extent. I don't think that it really, really, really answer that question honestly, right? And that's 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 the wrong point. And you see, the thing about corruption, the, the point you made about corruption that you cannot, you know, lock shops and be facing thieves. The truth of the matter is, if you really want to look at, if you want to engage political economy and microeconomy, really, you have to look at it from the point of view of rule of law. Like you said, the, the previous government took corruption to a new law. But the point is. All these countries that were banding figures from the Chinese, you know, um, the, the Chinas of this world, the Indias, the Brazils, and the, the Turkeys, these are countries that you know that in China, once you are found guilty of corruption, is a death sentence. There is a sense, therefore, you know, in, there's a sense, therefore, in which the fear of that corruption has drastically reduced certain sharp practices in that country. We cannot have, do you know that? The reason, the, the gap between our capital market, the reason why ours is just about 60 billion, and then the South African government, the, the capital market is about almost a trillion dollars, is nothing else other than the fact that investors have more confidence in the South African capital market than what you have in Nigeria.
And at the very root of that confidence Definitely. is root of law. The fact that people know, investors know that, do you know that every time there's election in Nigeria, investors, there's usually flights, capital flights. Money develops wings and flies out of Nigeria. Because there is this impunity that our investors know that as far as our elections are concerned, a lot of things go can go wrong. But that doesn't happen in South Africa. That doesn't happen in other countries. So to that extent, as a nation, as any serious government, you cannot look away from that fight against impunity. And I'm, I'm, I use the word impunity carefully because what this government is fighting is corruption. We know that it's not effective. We know that it's very crude. But no serious government in Nigeria can turn things around without having a solid policy about how to ensure that the rule of law prevails and we fight impunity. Now, we and I can debate about the effectiveness of the, the fight of this government, whether it's effective or not. We have said in time, you know, and we have said in past episodes that the way they are going about it is ineffective, it's not achieving any result. But that does not totally mean that any... Because what we're looking for in this election, in this forthcoming administration, are solutions that are smart solutions, solutions that are measurable, that are solutions that are time-bound, the things that we can actually see. So to that extent, as brilliant as Peter Obi is, I don't think that he answered this question very well. And honestly, I would give him a two. I think your two is way too mean. It's definitely too mean. Because right. whether we like it or not, right. it is an opposition. It's not meant to cow to what this government is doing. Yeah. If this government is doing things the right way, then you guys won't have any business actually seeking um, right. uh, someone else. But everyone in Nigeria knows that this government, it, well, it might be trying, it might be struggling, but it's not exactly doing things the right way. And right. Ni Nigerians obviously need comfort yeah. more than what they're feeling at the moment. So I still go back to the issue of corruption. I get your analogy about the fact that uh, you cannot probate and reprobate. You can't say you create 10 million jobs and now say the government should stay out of it. It's difficult for government to actually stay out of job creation and all that and all that. Yeah, I understand that even in UK, Seb, where we talk about the fact that the government stay or maintain aloofness yes. or is only a regulator of the economy. How many yeah. banks has the government uh, bailed out in the, last, exactly. um, uh, in the last 10 years? Government has built... All major banks in the UK, except for Barclay, Barclays and HSBC, are the only exactly. two banks that have not been built out by the UK government. Lloyds Bank still hold um, uh, UK right. government like four hundred million pounds. So, so yeah, it's 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 always like that. The government mm -hmm. cannot stay completely yes. out of uh, the capitalistic market to just make. They yeah. need to support them to to thrive. But what we the, the why, what I'm supporting is mantra there is that why you're fighting corruption? Don't tell us that you cor, fighting corruption should be built. Uh, the rule of law that you, you you're citing, fighting corruption should be built into That's our correct. rule of law, That's application correct. of our rule of law. Hmm? And we shouldn't just stay on that. that okay, we're spending a whole mandate just making rule of law work. We need to make rule of law. I know it's difficult, but we need to make it work at the same time. Do other things. You know, it's just like getting ready to run. Eh? And you just keep tying your shoelace. After tying your shoelace, 
you're dressing yourself, seeing how you want, how you're gonna take off. When exactly are you gonna take off? When are you gonna get to the finishing line? We're talking about growing the economy. Other countries aren't staying on one uh, on one spot. Uh, Malaysia is moving. Singapore is moving. And yeah. these are thriving uh, economies, and they're, they're growing economies too. And five, ten years ago, we know how how their economies were. So we can't now. We can't say we use two mandates, like eight years, just to set the bre bedrock for. For, for our economy to thrive, you need to do that. You need to do that. Why fighting corruption as much as you can? I agree that corruption should be fought vigorously. Eh? But that said, we need to increase our capacity to do other things while still fighting corruption. So that's why I think, well, my form might be generous, uh, but I don't think he deserves it too. I think even if he doesn't, if PDP doesn't win his election, I think it's a wake-up call for this government to start seeing things differently. But also, this government pro promised a certain number of jobs too before they won the election in 2015. They never exactly fulfilled their promise. <laughs> so yeah, on that front, yeah, well, maybe well, just to agree to disagree, I'll say 3.5. I can only go 0.5 lower. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll, 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 I'll upgrade mine to three. <laughs> 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 uh, okay, yeah, let's say... Yeah, I'll, I'll take your lead on that. So, yeah, what, what's your point? Yeah, I'll, I'll take your lead on that. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me or Shibagyo, uh, they asked him about... Yeah, aggregate. Similar question to um, Peter B. Yeah, aggregate investment not beyond 16% compared to China and South Africa. So he said that the main uh, problem why we have, um, why our aggregate investment is low is infrastructural deficit with yeah. these countries. That's a very solid point. We have infrastructural deficit. He talked about corruption. I think that's an overflowed issue. Because if our, if our aggregate investment, it's not like it's just low, yes. it's dropping. Do you understand? And this corruption has always been there. Yeah, maybe there was a new low in the last administration. But this administration has always prided itself on the fact that it's bringing confidence back into investors. It's bringing confidence back into foreign investors. And even people outside are talking about it, that this government is arguably less corrupt than the, the last government. So if that is the case, why is the um, aggregate investment not increasing? So it's not just corruption. I understand the infrastructure deficit, and like I said, that's a very solid point. But the, this whole campaign of calumny every time that we link it back to corruption and we link it back to the last administration, I think it's high time it stops. It's already a broken record. So, and he said that uh, less earnings uh, from oil, um, that and that the government have been able to do a lot with even with less earnings from oil. So, based on uh, the only solid point I see is that infrastructure infrastructural deficit, which they're working hard, and it's evident that they're actually doing the best they I think their possible best with the infrastructural development at the moment. So based on that, right. I gave him my, I gave him a three. 
for, exa- for exactly the same reason that you have talked about. Although I, I, I certainly define the sense that they, they have been very, very ineffective in tackling. I don't even want to talk about the corruption issue because, like you actually pointed out, it's overflow. There is no reason why corruption, corruption has to still be the. Yeah. There is no country in the world where you don't have corruption, even in the Vatican. You know, there's corruption everywhere. So the point is, mm-hmm. let's leave that. We have not fought that battle effectively, and let's just leave it to the point that yes, there was 16 years. We, we had 16 years before them, and it would be unrealistic to expect that they would be able to do anything significantly to this corruption. But let's talk about the infrastructure that he has, you know, he mentioned. So the truth of the matter is, take for instance, as at the time they came on board, there was this issue. You know, it was stated that Nigeria was only generating about 2,500 megawatts and that they increased it to 7,500 at some point, but they could not transmit beyond 4,800. But now it has fallen to about 4,500, and I, I don't know how much they are transmitting in that term. So the argument that they have been putting up is the fact that it does not, you can't build infrastructure in four years. But I beg to disagree, and that is totally wrong. There are countries in the world today that, in fact, China does over 18,000 megawatts every year. This government has had three solid years. They have not built any mega station or sorry, any power station, neither are they significantly. South Africa, I think South Africa consumes, is it about 150,000 megawatts of electricity? And so, yes, the, the, the huge difference between Nigeria and South Africa, which the DP rightly pointed out, is that infrastructure and amongst other things. But while South Africa is still doing things to further cement their position as a giant of Africa, we are busy complaining about how we can't get certain things done. Some of these things are not rocket science. So, for example, the Lagos about the Express Road that this government you know, claims that they have been doing and all of that. That road has not been completed. In fact, it's just been 30% completed. So that leaves you about 70%. The, 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 the Ministry of Power, Works and Housing came out to say that yeah. they inherited about 267 roads, out of which they've only completed, I think, about 20%. What have they been doing for four years? This government came up to say that, you know what? Well, we want to increase our capital spending you know, a capital, you know, money for infrastructure, capital development, to from 30% to about 50%. But it has been reported, even by the very um, government, the agency of government, I think a bureau of, um, I can't remember their name now, basically the, the group that monitors the implementation and the performance of the budget. I've been saying that that lofty ideal that was built into that budget, the past budget, has only been achieved to, I think, about, is it 30 or 40%? There is no way that you can have a, a paradigm shift in terms of your movement towards being a totally developed country without pursuing an aggressive infrastructure development. You and I know what happens in the UK in terms of the NHS. There are hospitals today in Nigeria that people are dying on a daily basis because yeah. there's no money, there are no facilities to treat people. And so some of these figures leave you really upset and sad because... On the one hand, you are shouting infrastructure, we want to do this, we want to do that. On the other hand, you can't actually put your hands 
on what this government is doing differently in terms of how to go about it. This government came on the mantra of change. And change is usually very disruptive, right? So you have to disrupt the old order to create a new one. But by and large, what they have been doing is just throwing the line of walls up. You, you, you're, you're throwing sachets of water to something that requires a water tank. And that explains why nothing is happening, why Nigerians are not feeling the positive side of all the efforts that this government claims to have put in place. So to that extent, I will give him three. Okay. I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. All right. So, who else haven't we talked about? Um, I think those are the significant ones, but without uh, doing disservice to all the candidates, we've got um, Khadija Abdullahi. She was was asked about the mystery index of Nigeria being 51.26%. And in all honesty, I'm going to hold my hands up. I've never really looked into mystery index before. So and apparently, it's a, it uh, comprises of unemployment and underemployment. Yes. So, so and they ask her how she's going to tackle that. I think it's a trickle question for someone who is who is who has not really been in government before, if I'm honest, and not an economist. So, but she talked about resource control. The evolution of power yeah. to the uh, component units, uh, education to tackle the problem. Uh, but before she got to education, I think, you know, when you're trying to answer a question and you're not sure about to answer a question, well, you just know, let me just keep writing. Eh? And so maybe <laughs> I'll get some mark. And you eventually now get to one point and you now say, oh, okay, let me write about this. So I think talking about resource control, devolution of power, mm, I, I didn't really buy much into that. So by the end of the day, the education bit of it, the education part really um, is, is, is struck chord. So, but with me, that only gave me, uh, I could only give a one in that one. So, and... Uh, Galadima, Ganyu Galadima, they was asked about the value, the drop in the value of Naira and what will it do to show up the value of Naira? So I gave him one over five on that because yeah. um, our vice presidential candidate of ACPN, he talked about the fact that it would, it would cut down importation that what... And he asked the question that what can you produce locally that you should only stick to what you can produce locally and not import what you can produce locally. It's a good point. So uh, he, he reiterated the fact that foreign direct investment is low. I felt it was grasping at straws because it was just striking everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at the end of the day, I could say, well, I can only give this candidate one. So I gave him one over five in that as well. Right. So uh, on the value of Naira, anything for um, Mr. Ganyu Galadima? That man knows nothing about our basic, you know, economy work. I really don't want to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Because this is meant to be serious business, right? Is it? 
it's meant to be serious business, right? Of course it is, but you know we can laugh because the thing is, you know, <laughs> you're producing what you consume locally does not really, in terms of you know, does not significantly increase. Basically, all over the world, what jacks up the value of your currency is how much of your things other people consume. And so it's usually likely a function of, you know, your ability to export to other countries. Because that's, that's basically the dynamics, right? So we, what we talk about foreign exchange, you cannot have a, an economy that consumes anything, right? That does not produce. And then you're talking about how importation of rice will stop, you know, would increase the value of your... <laughs> it makes no sense. Because any serious country that wants to do something about its, um, the value of its currency, you have to look inwards and think about what you produce. The, the Japans of this world, the South Koreas of this world, those countries are big-time exporters. Hmm. And then you can understand why... Because at the end of the day, it's not even necessarily about the weight of your currency. Because today... We know that the pound is much more, uh, is bigger, you know, is, is heavier in weight as opposed to the dollar. But we know that the American economy is the biggest economy in the world. Why? Mm -hmm. Because you have the Apple's of this world, you have the Facebooks, and you have all these major companies who are all over the place doing things that everybody in the world is consuming. Yeah. Do, you get the point? So necessarily, I the issue is not even that. Yes, naturally, when we start to produce and export things, the value of our currency will go up. But that, that does not significantly even talk about the depth of your, you know, the, the, the weight of your economy. We cannot be serious about improving the value of our currency without looking inwards. And look. Do you know that Japan shut their doors, I think, for about 150 years and decided that, you know what, this is what we're going to do. We will not be dependent on anything. We would work towards producing things that we can export to other countries. Today, you have the Samsungs and you have all these other companies that... You know, yeah. you, you get the point. So that's precisely the point. And I don't think there's anything wrong in you being asked the question now, going back to Galadima, sorry, to Khadija, about the misery index. If you do not know something, you can, you know, give yourself, give yourself time. Do you understand? And, you know, come back to the report. I'll say, well, I've consulted with my team. Okay, well, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't understand what the misery index. And then come, up, come out strong. Swinging, you know, you know, no, 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 no. You know that won't happen in Nigeria. The moment you do that, you've killed yourself. Nigerians are too judgmental to know, to believe, to take uh, an excuse that you don't know anything. You don't know something. We are well, too judgmental. I, I guess I, I guess I agree with you anyway. Mm -hmm. I guess I agree with you. But yes, Adima right. zero, Adija zero. <laughs> yeah, I think I gave Galadima one there. All right. But I'm gonna have to change that to zero. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to have to change that to zero. But yeah, based on our scoring at the moment, I think we've got um, Galadima on two. We've got Khadija on seven. Right. And we've got Pisa Obi on 15. Right. And before you go, uh, uh, Professor Yamiya Shiba, you've got him on 15.5. Right. So it's just edging him like... I know it's that gray area where I, where I had to agree to disagree with you. Because right. normally, for me, I think they should be tied. And yeah. we've got Umagetsu on two. Right. So, 
we can go on and on about this. I, I think we, there are still other issues that were raised in in that this um in that debate. But I think overall, this kind of give us because the 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 parts we've talked about, it, it's like a template for the whole debate. At the end of the day, yeah, we we've been able to see who's strong where, who's um doing what where. Yeah. So and uh, it's a shame that at the end uh, during this debate. Only two candidates have actually held their own. Absolutely. The other three candidates are still kind of paying lip service or not coming to terms with the full uh, compliments or responsibility of um, the vice presidency or the presidency as a whole. Yeah. So, which leaves a lot to desire because I know there's a difference between talking and politicking. Well, we know these two can do politicking well, but they're actually doing the talking. So, and I believe that Nigerians are too smart and too um, educated not to be able to put um, um, a, a viable challenge to these people. That's why I'm really looking forward to someone like uh, Omoyele Shore, because I know Omoyele Shore is... He, 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 he talks and he, he confronts people, he, and he, he shows a, and ex- talks with Factor too um, many times. So it, it will be interesting to see how that goes when the presidential election happens. And we can go on and on, but it's been a very long one. Today. So do you agree with the score? What do you think? Absolutely, I agree with you. Other than so you think take a few points you, you think... get so, but generally I agree. <laughs> Uh, uh, we we love uh we love uh Mrs. Getsu. Yeah. We love her. Right. Um. So, um, I think that will be all on this program today. Um, if you have any comments, you can get to us on podcast at shedwakipeli.com. Until next episode, or till next time, have a wonderful day. <laughs>